0: Owl
1: Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millett and John Finer.
2: And the Owls fall to Tennessee State 27-20 on homecoming weekend and will fall to 1-5 in, in this abbreviated season. But as we are every week here at the Owl Chat Podcast, we are here to talk you through it. We got a full house tonight. I am joined, as always, by my co-host and partner, John Feiner. Uh, We got Coach Nick Parada back in the building and Producer Nick um, coming back for a Sunday night episode. Gentlemen, how are we feeling this evening?
0: I'm feeling good. And, uh, you know, if this is a full house, um, I'm definitely the uncle Jesse of the bunch. So, uh, but you know, I just, uh, just wish we could meet under better circumstances for, for once. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, I know you guys, I know Nick Masaroni producer, Nick, you had a big day with the band. I know, uh, coach Nick had a big weekend grilling out and, uh, I know Kai was in the booth uh, hiding from all the common people that had to pay for their tickets. So, um, you know, I enjoyed it watching on TV. I was going to go, but then the last minute I'm like, I didn't really feel like it kind of want to watch the Braves right after and then some pro wrestling. Cause I'm a, you know, I'm a geek. Uh, how was your experience up in the booth Kai?
2: It was all right. Um, I was a little disappointed, honestly, because, you know, I was walking around the stadium pregame and I was like, man, this is perfect football weather. It'd be nice to, uh, sit in the stands and enjoy a drink or something, but, um, you know, it was fine. We had a full booth show up, um, a great turnout at the game, uh, reportedly broke the attendance record again, whether that's actually true, who knows, but I think it came in at something like 10,436. I know Nolan said 10, four five, six, and that was incorrect. So, you know, I think, uh, Nolan needs to make an appearance on our errors and omissions segment of our midweek podcast, but yeah. Um, can't say I went in expecting a win. Tennessee State's been pretty decent this year. One of their two losses was to Notre Dame. Um, so I I think there were some positives, but we're also one in five. and like you said, it's starting to get old recording these podcasts after these you know nail biting disappointing losses. but yeah, just uh it was a time.
0: Yeah, and let's go to uh producer Nick who's this is his first time I think on our post game show. He's a very busy man, so we're lucky to have him. Uh he was with the band, I believe, for homecoming. Tell us about your experience, Nick.
2: Yes, we were with the band. It was uh alumni day, so a lot of the uh the band alumni came back. We got to play with them in the stands. Uh some of them were marching on the field with the band for pregame
1: and they played George on my mind. It was a really nice day. Um uh, it was good to see competitive KSU Owls football against a good team. Um, the
2: sun was brutal. I will say that. It was uh, really beaten down on us. But um,
0: all in all, I, I think it was a really good day. All right. And what about you, Coach Nick? Did you uh, watch on TV?
1: I did, yeah. I watched on the ESPN Plus uh, app. Got to listen to Barclay and Nolan uh, produce the games. So that was that was good. Just feels like Groundhog Day every Sunday now you know, with a, a heartbreaker of a of close game and us, you know, rehashing all the, all those painful uh, moments.
0: Well, you know um, I did say last week, I think losing, unfortunately, is in this team's DNA. Um, I think it's getting proven more and more each week, but you know, since I don't want to be the doom and gloom guy, I will make a bold prediction right now. Uh, we will not lose another game in the month of October. So yeah. you <laughs> Hot can take there. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, But yeah, I know Kai has the uh, game summary to uh, go over, and then we'll kind of go over our thoughts, you know, on the offense, defense, special teams, and all the other shenanigans.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Just to catch people up who, you know, either didn't get to watch the game or, you know, just don't have it fresh in their memory. Um, We get the ball, start the game, quick three and out, Um, bad punt from Hewitt, a rare bad punt from Hewitt, sets Tennessee State up at the Kennesaw 37 um and then they can't do anything on offense but turns out they have a kicker with you know just one of the best legs in FCS football i guess uh, he had a game winner against Gardner Webb a few weeks ago from like 45 and he just absolutely nailed one from 51 um to put us behind early uh the teams traded punts for a few drives then Tennessee State gets the ball back goes 64 yards for a touchdown um Jordan Gant scored his first of the day he was killing us all day he averaged like almost 6 yards per carry um Next possession, though, we get the ball back. We go 75 yards on just six plays. Jonathan Murphy punches in his first rushing touchdown of the day. He would have another one later. Um, Then later, after a stop, the Owls put together a nice drive, setting up Connor Cummins, who regained the starting kicking job from Jacob Ulrich uh, this week for a 29-yard field goal, which he hit. Um, And then after getting the ball back again, KSU was moving the ball when Murphy threw a pick at midfield, right when it seemed like the momentum was starting to shift in our favor set them up pretty well. Um, before the half Tennessee state would add another field goal to make the score 13 to 10 going into the locker room. Uh, in the third quarter, our favorite tiger karate Brenson got his first touchdown of the year for Tennessee state, put us down 20 to 10. And, uh, things started looking pretty bleak, um, until uh, Gabriel Benyard took a kickoff 84 yards all the way down to the Tennessee state 15. And all of a sudden felt like we were back in business. Um, Dually, Murphy and Bryson traded snaps on the next drive. I think Bryson got in there twice. We'll talk more about uh, Bryson's game later, but I think Bryson was in there twice, handed the ball off and had one um, rushing attempt of his own. Um, but Murphy was the one who ultimately punched it in and made the score 20 to 17. Um, at the On the last drive of the third quarter slash first drive of the fourth quarter, Tennessee State had an absolutely grueling um, 64-yard drive to... Uh, really kind of crush our soul and take a two possession lead with just 12 minutes to play. Um, with eight minutes to go though, uh, we punted the ball. It was a great punt by Hewitt. Uh, I know you want to credit the Gunners, John, as you texted me during the game for knocking that ball out uh, inside the five, but it was still a good punt. You know, it was, I think Hewitt deserves his credit there. Um, we stopped them deep in their own territory. They punt the ball back to us. We get, um, I think a lucky bounce ball bounces our way. And we get the ball inside their 40 um, and only pick up six yards on three plays and send Cummins out there. And he hits one from 46. Uh, Disappointing that we couldn't do anything, you know, great with that field position. But it was also really nice to see Cummins hit from long distance for the first time this year. Um, And then we would stop them and we would get the ball back, get the ball all the way down to, I think, their 22 yard line. Um, And on fourth and two, Jonathan Murphy was running around in the backfield and took a sack, something we absolutely could not afford to do. Um, We would get the ball one more time before the game was over with less than two minutes left and with no timeouts. uh, Not a lot of hope there and got behind the chains early. And on fourth down, uh, Michael Benefield, thinking that we needed to stop the clock on fourth down, ran directly out of bounds, turning the ball over on downs and effectively ending the game. So. That's all I got on summary.
0: All right. Well, we got some, uh, you know, we got, we want to go through the offense first. Um, I think there were some things to like uh, this game. Personally, I didn't find it as this game as offensive as the Charleston Southern game. um, Mostly because I don't think Tennessee state is as offensive as Charleston Southern, not only from an on-field performance perspective, but from, you know, a personal feelings perspective about their program. Um, you know, I think the first thing we want to discuss, you know, Kai mentioned it earlier. Um, Davis Bryson. Um, before I get you guys thoughts, um, you know, I liked it. Um, this is exactly what I wanted to see. Um, as I mentioned in past uh episodes, you know, I wanted to see him work in. He didn't have to get every drive, he didn't have to be the man, but I wanted to see him worked in. I think this worked out to everybody's favor. Um, Bryson showed some big time flashes really got some momentum going had an 18 yard run 36 yard run but that uh, bad snap uh, pushed it back Um, and I also like this move because you know it gives Jonathan Murphy some time to regroup and rest especially after that he threw that interception you know he gets a chance to talk to the coaches figure things out catches breath, knows he doesn't have to go in the next drive. I think there's some kind of mental advantage to that as well. And I'm just, you know, I kind of want to go to coach Nick and piggyback off of that first.
1: Yeah. We talked about this last week of what's the plan at quarterback. Is it last four games? You know, he played a little bit in the Tusculum game. Um, I, I really liked how they worked him in throughout the game. Um, it can kind of fit right in with what you were talking about last week. Um, John and so it, he's an electric player. I mean, just just like Murph, um, you know, he was he led Virginia uh, in his senior year in high school in in rushing and passing touchdowns. I believe. I mean, he's he's just an electric football player. So it was awesome to kind of see. Okay, this is what the future looks like. He's a young kid, but we're getting his feet wet out there. He operated the offense. It didn't look like you know we limited play calling. It looked like we were, you know we had our full gamut of plays, and um, it was exciting to see him out there. So I'm looking forward to see how he progresses over these last couple games.
2: I think my favorite thing about, um, Murphy's 36 yard run or whatever it was, was, uh, or not Murphy, uh, Bryson's 36 yard run, excuse me, was, uh, Jonathan Murphy running down the sideline, just, (laughs) you know, super excited for his guy, just, you know, encouraging him the whole way. You know, it's, uh, it's great to see him having the support of the senior and this not being like a personal competition thing. Uh, Murphy's a leader and he understands the situation. Um, but yeah, I thought he was really exciting when they put him in the game, provided a nice spark. I kind of wish that we would have seen more of him because he moved the ball pretty well on that one drive and honestly probably could have scored if Al Hogan doesn't snap that ball, you know, 10 feet over his head and we lose 40 yards on that play. So, um, honestly, really encouraged with Bryson.
0: Hey, I've been pushing for this guy. You guys are finally getting onto the train here. Um,
2: yeah. And I was going to say like, the way they were playing him was almost exactly how you had wished. (laughs) So it makes me think maybe, uh, maybe Bo Hannon was listening last week. Bo knows.
0: Isn't that the Jangle slogan or something like that? Bo knows, but um, yeah, Jackson, Bo Jackson okay close enough Close enough. yeah so um I I do like that you know we we at least saw enough of uh Davis Bryson to know what we're kind of getting in terms of speed like you know he does have that gear to outrun an FCS defense kind of like Murphy does um I like you know you couldn't really tell like like Coach Nick said, you know, we, were, we weren't we were limiting our playbook around him, but we didn't really get a chance to see what he can do, go through his reads. He had very limited plays, but we at least got to see that we're not going to be losing that explosiveness from the QB position um, that we got from Murphy. So if anything, you know, hopefully uh, Bryson will be an upgrade from throwing the ball. But again, that's going to be a wait and see type deal. But uh, yeah.
2: Would you start him against Lincoln?
0: Um, Absolutely. I you know I would absolutely start him against Lincoln. Um you know the le- the senior day probably not but you know I w- I would play him versus Lincoln um you know at least in the at least well if we're not going to start him at least play him in the second half. Give him a half.
2: I think yeah, if I there agree. was if there was a game to do it it would be the Lincoln game. I mean you get you know two extra weeks to prepare for Lincoln, you know just set up some packages for him, see what he can do. Um might be you know a false uh, sample being against Lincoln, but still just get him some, get him some reps. Absolutely.
0: But we also need to work Murph in because I imagine the plan is going to be to unleash uh Murph against Sam Houston. And that'll be a three week layoff. You have to get Jonathan Murphy some, uh, some time, honestly, thinking about it, I'd probably start Murphy just to keep the routine, have him play maybe the first quarter till we go up. I don't know, three touchdowns. Hopefully I'm not jinxing this because we aren't very good right now. But, you know, once we get that lead, which should be in probably the second quarter or so, have Bryson take it the rest of the way. I
2: don't want to sound cocky, but and we'll talk about Lincoln in the coming weeks more, but I think this is a jinx-safe game. Um, Kennesaw's not going to lose this game. Uh, it almost needs to be viewed as a practice by fans. The The team's not going to treat it like that, nor should they, but this is, you know, a time to get experimental.
0: Yeah, as long as Lincoln doesn't take us to a play after the game, I think we'll be okay.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Michael Benefield and his big day. He goes over 101 yard or 100 yards for the first time in his career. Um, I think one of the more unsung pieces of this developing offense uh, t- deserves a lot of credit. Um, in terms of balancing carries over the next three games, how are we feeling?
0: Um, well, I think Gabriel Benyard's done. I'm pretty sure he played his fourth game and we'll get into that later, but uh, you could obviously tell that. I don't know if Diggs was even active. I didn't see him out there. Uh, Josiah Clemens came in when Benefield or somebody got banged up for a play. He lost his shoe actually. So I do like Benefield. I think he solidified himself as the number one back the rest of the way. Um, The guy, you know, I think he has good feet, really good feet. He has some good balance um, I don't think he's, you know, super, super, super explosive, but he's explosive enough to get the job done. And I think he's going to be our bell cow um, finishing off the year. Uh, what do you think about that, Coach Nick?
1: Yeah, I liked that he kind of stepped up as as the guy with, um, with Gabe being out. Um, you know, it's nice to have kind of a one-two punch at running back. Um, we, you know, that's a position that we should have a pretty good stable of coming from option, but it's clearly a different style. It's not, you know, be backs hitting hitting downhill and uh, slots getting in a pitch phase for so for us to have, um, you know, a couple of hundred yard rushers already this so far this year in games is is really encouraging. Um, you know, eighteen carries, one hundred and one yards, had a twenty-yard carry for long. I mean, that's that's five and a half yards a clip. You know, that's that's excellent for from a running back perspective. So, super excited that we have kind of two really, really two guys that we really feel feel really good about uh, in the backfield returning next year. And you know, who knows what's coming in the pipeline as you know you look at the portal and you look at what we're recruiting out of high school.
2: Right. Obviously, we're in a different situation, scholarship wise. But I remember when Georgia Tech moved away from the triple option. Um, I think they had thirteen running backs on scholarships. So, you know, being an option team, if there's a position where we shouldn't lack depth, it's definitely you know guys in the backfield.
1: Yeah, and in Kennesaw, we actually utilized tight end surfaces a little bit a little bit more, especially when when I was there. Uh, we would go into you know we call it king and queen and get into true thirty one personnel, take a receiver off the field. So we had a couple of tight ends in the program. Georgia Tech did not have a tight end in the program uh, when they when they moved away from it. So would like to see us get the tight end. Uh, a little bit more involved in some of the past game stuff. I know we've tried to hit them on a few different options, um, including one to Preston Daniel uh that he dropped. Um, but you know, Carson Kent, some of those guys trying to get them get them the ball in some more unique ways.
0: Yeah. Right. Carson Kent made a really nice catch yesterday. That was it's rare when I watch a KSU football game when I'm thinking, oh wow, that guy squeezed that through a really tight window. That's kind of like a a pro throw. And I thought that that throw and catch to Carson Kent was that rare pro throw uh, yesterday. So I don't know if you guys remember what I'm talking about.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it was, as producer Nick just pointed out, it was the only catch from a tight end um, yesterday, which is a little disappointing because after the Tusculum game, obviously things are going to look a little bit different against, you know, a team like Tusculum, but uh, we've really lacked tight end involvement all year. And I understand that's a thing that's coming along But over these next three games, heck, you know, I want want to see Carson Kent with four catches, 86 yards. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I mean, his numbers 86. Right. So maybe that's why that came to mind. But um, yeah, he he's still a redshirt freshman. He needs to get bigger and stronger. Um, And I think, you know, I think he's that that guy, assuming he plays out like I think it will over the next couple of years that will make an impact.
2: Yeah. You talk a little bit about Murphy making that rare pro throw. He's had a couple of nice balls this year. Um, I want to talk about his decision making just a little bit, which is honestly the biggest issue with his game. And it's really frustrating. It's like, he's a, you know, he's a fantastic athlete. He throws a pretty ball, but you know, he's got to, we got to have more awareness on this team of not taking, you know, sacks on fourth down or running out of bounds on fourth down. Um,
0: no, I mean, you could talk about Michael Benefield in the last play of the game. We could fast forward to that. You know, he ran to the wrong sticks, the original uh, the original marker. And, you know, we're not going to be too, you know, mad at Benefield there. I mean, the game was basically over anyway. There was like no chance we could, you know, win. But still, it's, you know, we definitely have to get our head in the game and be smarter. Uh, but yeah, like you said, Murphy's been making a lot of throws. Um, he does have some pretty bullets that are on the mark. But when I say like a pro throw, I mean, like anybody can hit like a streaking wide receiver open. I mean, you know, kind of throwing it right behind the receiver in the window or throwing it low to where they can get it. That's the kind of throw that I'm kind of talking about, to be honest with you.
1: And I think if we wanted to make, make this step in FBS and really, you know, start to separate ourselves as an offense that's the type of quarterback we need is the one that can make those throws that can make decisions on when to throw a back shoulder ball versus when to put it over top when to you know adding option routes into our passing game where you know if we get too high you know and then it's too high safety look and the receiver's streaking you know is he supposed to cut it off and sit it down or is he supposed to turn it into a post is he supposed to break it off whatever that is you'll start to see that that trust really start to develop as you know the offense offense gets more and more and more uh reps.
0: Yeah, and it's a it's a processing thing uh mentally as well for the QB. How fast can you go through your progressions, make decisions? It's more mental I think than anything physical. I mean, Murphy has all the physical, but he hasn't really had to do these mental gymnastics that we're asking him to do now or more so than before.
1: And I think you see that at the, at the FBS level, at the highest stage, you watch Carson Beck at Georgia this past week, you know, he's gotten a lot of criticism, but he hasn't gotten a ton of game reps. And now you're starting to see in, in their system, how reps and games has improved his play improved his decision-making. And you, I'm, I'm hoping that we see that when we get some consistency, out of the quarterback play with our offense, you know, where you start to see those, those decision-making moments, you start to see us start to grow in, in those opportunities
2: what's more likely Davis Bryson starts um, week one next year or a transfer starts week one.
0: Davis Bryson starting week one. Um, You think so? Oh yeah. I mean, in this, in this world of NIL, I mean, getting a QB that can start week one, that's, that's probably a 50 50 proposition, especially, you know, I think. I mentioned it on the midweek. If you guys listen to the end of it, you know, I I'm hearing that Bryson might be the best quarterback in practice. Um, you know, so I, I hear Klinakis loves him again, take it for what it's worth. I don't know, but I'm, you know, my money's on Davis Bryson right now, his job to lose with uh, perhaps Cole McCarty and Tyler Nelson, you know, fighting for the backup spot if we don't bring anybody else in, but I'm interested in hearing your thought on that guy, as well as you coach Nick.
2: Yeah, I just, I don't think it's, you know, a, a less than zero chance that we bring in either like a, you know, a power five bounce back or like a third stringer or a second stringer. Or, you know, like a D2 guy who lit it up at that level. And it's just, you know, the logical next move. In that case, when NIL is not the goal, you got a guy moving, you know, up to the D1 level or you have a guy, you know, who's taking a step down. Um, I would be surprised if they don't bring anybody in. That doesn't mean Bryson is going to start or isn't going to start, but I would be surprised if they don't add another quarterback from the portal,
1: if that's not like a goal going into next season. I totally agree. I think there are so many quarterbacks that are portaling and and transferring all over the country i mean you're seeing um you know bo nicks at oregon you're seeing uh what's his name from georgia that's at like his 14th school now um you're, you're seeing where okay if you're not the guy uh it's time to get in the portal and go find somewhere else to play and there's only one guy at that position it's not like you're a db or an offensive lineman and you can kind of work into the rotation like you're playing one quarterback and so Um, I I would not be surprised if we go after a a transfer quarterback just to have on roster um, that has experience in playing, you know, FBS football um, to come in and and potentially compete for a job. But yeah, but it does. It does seem like it is. It is Davis Bryson's job to to lose. Um, But that being said, that doesn't mean that someone couldn't come in and, and win it.
0: Yeah. Or come in and, you know, Bryson doesn't play well. And he takes it. But, you know, Davis Bryson does have a year under Chris Klonakis in the system. Um, hopefully, you know, by now, assuming hopefully he's earned coaches trust and we will give him the opportunity in week one, assuming he keeps putting in the hard work. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. I, I would like to see, you know, just another body, another another veteran out there. Um, something else I wanted to adjust or, or talk about today um, was the second and 50 play and the third and 50. Um, You know, I don't know, you guys might be mad that he snapped it over uh, Bryson's head and we lost 40 yards, but I'm personally mad at coach Klanakis. I mean, is that the best you have on second and 50? You couldn't draw up something to get, you know, a chunk of 25 here and 25 there and put us in, you know, third and 25. And then, you know, maybe we could get it to, you know, fourth and 10 and go for it there. I mean, what, what are we doing boys? That was to be time.
2: fair, to be fair, and I could be misremembering this, but I think they threw the ball in one of those downs. So I, I think they did try. I mean, you pick up 20 yards on two plays, and you know, you can try Cummins out there, especially with oh, the yeah. day he
0: had. But yeah, exactly. I was just I was just kidding around, but yeah, we threw <laughs> it on second and fifty and on uh, and then ran it on third down to make it uh fourth and forty seven. So. Yeah, I'm
2: just saying, I think we were all thinking the same thing of like, oh, what do we have drawn up for second 50? It was kind of a surreal moment to see that on the scoreboard. <laughs> just rare football moment. Um, but yeah, just uh, it was really disappointing to get down in the red zone and have Bryson look really, really good with his legs on that drive and just, you know, kind of take that away from him.
0: Yeah. I mean, at that point, once it gets to second and 50, it's kind of like, okay, this drive is over. You know what? I kind of want to see second and 80. I don't know. Like how 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 far can we take it here, boys? I I was
2: going to say, I think Louisiana Tech had like a second and 83 a few years ago.
0: Oh, that's impressive. That's juicy right there. I like that. Uh, But as far as, uh, you know, run blocking is something that you guys have mentioned got better. Um, Seaburn Hines, who was hurt a couple weeks ago when he and Dawson went out on back to back plays, he was back in at right tackle. So we have, uh, an older player stepping in for the younger player. So, you know, that might've contributed as well.
2: Absolutely. Um, not just this week, but the last week, and this is something Bo talked about in his presser is like, this was one of the number one things he said that they have improved on as a team, as the season has gone on, you know, beginning of the year, we couldn't run anything on anybody. I mean, that Chattanooga game was miserable. Um, but you know, these last two weeks, we've been able to move the ball pretty well on the ground and actually put together some drives. So.
0: Yeah. And I just want to point out, I saw James Dawson our center who got hurt, uh, like a month ago. I saw him on the sideline standing around no cast or anything like that. So I don't know if he's out for the season or what the situation is going to be, but that was kind of good. You know, I was expecting him to be like on a scooter or in a cast or something like that. So.
1: Yeah, and we talked about O line uh, a lot this year, and we talked about you know the potential of bringing in a transfer uh, quarterback. I would imagine we are going to go after quite a few offensive linemen in this in this recruiting cycle, uh, especially from other schools. Um, it's it's definitely the thing that has to separate us as we move up into FBS. You know the the difference between FCS and FBS at the skill positions may be an inch or two here or there at the receivers. You know, but the the, the overall skill players they're all very similar. The difference is the depth and then the, the trenches. And Co- Coach Bo has addressed that many times. And we we've got to get a lot bigger. We've got to get a lot more physical up front uh, on both on both the O line and the D line.
0: Yeah, especially, I think, on the edges, on the D-line. You know, I, I think we have some good big bodies for the interior that are, you know, fine size-wise. But, you know, on the edges, I just want to see a better rush and more athleticism and size and talent uh, there. But uh, this is a good segue to kind of go into the defense, unless you guys have anything to add on the offense. Um, you know, I guess we'll start off with what everybody wants to start off with, uh, the DeAndre Morris incident, I guess we can call it uh morris gate um kai i'll let you lead the discussion on that
2: yeah i uh when it happened i wasn't sure what was going on i saw some of our guys run over to their sideline but i didn't realize that morris was over there um until the last minute i also didn't see the play where you know the assistant coach threw so him give us sum-
0: give us give a summary to what happened i suppose for the listeners that didn't see it
2: so yeah no, there was uh there was a scuffle um, things were chippy throughout most of the first half, kind of cooled down a little bit in the second half. And all of a sudden you look up and DeAndre Morris is on the Tennessee state sideline, um, in the midst of like 20 white jerseys. And you're like, you know what, what the hell is going on? Um, and then he kind of gets into like a little pushing and shoving match with, uh, one of their assistant coaches who shoves them to the ground. Morris definitely sold the, uh, <laughs> the flop a little bit. Um, nonetheless, not something that should happen. Uh, somehow Morris did not get ejected. And I don't think the assistant coach did either. Uh, Bo said somebody got ejected and he didn't know who, but yeah, just a weird situation all around. And I'm glad that it wasn't way worse than it ended up being.
0: Yeah. They said on TV, it was a uh, student assistant that uh, was the one that pushed him down. When I first saw it, I thought he threw a punch, but then I, lo- I kind of saw it again and I thought it was just a, he just pushed him down. But either way, that guy's, you know, they have to, kick him off the team, right? I mean, it's just a student assistant. You can't just give him a second chance. What are your, what's your take on that Nick as a former or coach Nick as a former uh, student athlete?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, from a coaching perspective, you, you're, you're never to put your hands on another player from, from an opposing team. Uh, You know, even, you know, unless you're helping a kid, you know, get up, you know, they get tackled onto your sideline. You should never, ever, ever, you know, Touch, touch a player from another team. And so they showed the replay of it. And this dude is literally pushing Deontre off the sideline. And he you know, he kind of sold it a little bit, but totally not acceptable. And the second that it happened, another assistant coach on their sideline basically pointed at, you know, whoever it was, a student assistant, assistant coach, whatever he, whoever it was to basically leave that, like, get out of here. You, you're wrong. Like they, they, they knew it as soon as it happened. Um, but my favorite part of the whole situation was just coach, coach Bo was fired up, man. I mean, he was, almost all the way across the field um, sticking up for his guys. And that's, that's exactly who he is. Um, I I love seeing that, but from a player's perspective, yeah, I mean, for an assistant coach or or anyone from an opposing team to ever put their hands on you. um, Yeah. Not, not good.
0: Yeah. He probably didn't get an invite to ride the bus home.
2: Speaking of which that band took like seven buses, (laughs) Tennessee state brought like 14 total buses to that game. I thought that was crazy. I wish they um, forgot the I wish they forgot
0: the band or forgot the football team and just brought the band.
2: I mean, that's what half the people were there for, I'm sure. Um get us a win. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, the like I said, I'm just really glad that the Morris situation didn't turn out uh to be an all-out brawl because that's what it was looking like it was progressing to. Um I think our players deserve a lot of credit for holding back and not you know, making that worse than it was. Um, like Nick said, I think Bo's reaction was great. I mean, he was in the middle of the field. He was fired up and it kind of got our team fired up and, uh, you know, gave us a little momentum at that point in the game.
0: Agreed. But you know, I'm glad it wasn't a brawl and I'm glad it got settled down, but can you imagine how many listens on our podcast we'd have this week if it was an all out brawl? I mean, that's gold. There's
2: some direct correlation um, between bad things happening to Kennesaw State football and our podcast listen numbers, so you know I <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that, but there is something there.
0: Yes, uh, hopefully we get some wins, and then people feel opposite emotion and want to listen. So um, you know, I we kind of mentioned it earlier as well. Our D line, you know, struggled a bit. Um, you know, we struggled to contain the quarterback yet again. Uh, struggled to get too much pressure on them. You know, it just become a habit this year uh joel parker i'm sorry joel parker uh did not play again but we really need to find a pass rush you know for next year we can't just let qbs pick us apart and then if they can't find anybody run for 20 yards
2: yeah i mean both of their guys had all the time in the world we had one sack on the day but it was you know we we got lucky most of the time because their quarterbacks weren't very good, despite what Bo says. I think they went like 17 of 37 through the air. They missed a lot of throws. Um, but I just like no pressure for most of that game. It was really frustrating and is one of the scarier things about the transition next year.
0: Yeah. Coach, how can we get some pass rush next year?
1: Yeah, I mean, we definitely got to get a little bit more size, a little, little bit different of an athlete uh, up front. You know, you obviously have your your run stoppers and you got your edge rushers. Um, but I think that that kind of uh, ability is something that we will be able to recruit a little bit better moving forward. You know, Travis Bell was kind of uh, the best of both worlds. And that, there's a reason he was the first ever draft pick um, in, in Kennesaw State football history. You know, wore a great number, number 96, tremendous number. Um, you know, they only put D's in that number being a little biased there. Uh, But no, I, it, I, I know that from a D line perspective, they, they've gotten after the quarterback in a few games and in other games we've lost contain. Um, we've, we've not been able to get there. And so we've kind of gotten picked apart. And if you kind of look at the numbers that I love to look at, which is third down conversions, um, you know, we were four of, you see here, four 15, I believe it was, or four of 17. Uh, and they were six of, 15 so a little bit better but then in the red zone that's when you know things really need to pick up for us defensively on their three trips to the red zone they scored three touchdowns and on our four trips we only scored two touchdowns and that ended up being the difference in the game so our us not getting turnovers um which all starts up front if you have a defensive line that is you know making a quarterback get rid of it before they need to or before they want to um they're making a throw before they're ready they're not being able to step into a throw that's how you force turnovers and we haven't forced one since Tennessee tech. If I, if that's correct, Correct. Um, we've had opportunities. We've certainly had opportunities, including last week, we had one hit us right in the hands. Um, so we, we got to start getting turnovers, give the, give the ball back to the offense with a short field, get some momentum and in scoring drives from uh, our opposed, from the teams that we're playing um, all those things combined, you know, not containing the quarterback, not getting pressure at times when we need to and letting quarterbacks scramble and extend drives and get down into the red zone. That's the thing that we're not doing from an offensive perspective. And then from a defensive perspective, we're not stopping.
2: Right. I think Markeith Montgomery dropped a pick in the first half, you know, another chance. Um, But, yeah, I think the 27 points yesterday was actually a little misleading um, on how the defense played. Because, you know, I mean, our offense couldn't move the ball out of their own ten a few times. And then all of a sudden. Know Tennessee State's in business at the 35, and that resulted in, I think, a short field for one of their touchdowns and then the the field goal at the start of the game. Um, but yeah, just time of possession. I think we held the ball, um, for over four minutes only twice, um, which is not good. And the defense has kept us in so many games this year, and just to not give them that validation of, you know, getting that win like they've been playing to win. Um, it really sucks, and you you kind of gotta side with them, just tiring out each and every time they go out there.
0: Yeah, especially because like we said, we're playing red shirt roulette right now, and didn't even have probably some people that uh, you know we could we usually have like uh, Jericho Washington, Joe Williams at cornerback. Um, you know, Tyler Hallam I think is hurt. Um, you know, Isaac Paul, Juan Silas. You know, there are some guys that are not playing, but still, that's not a real excuse. You know, we gotta be better.
1: Just not, you know, not getting turnovers. That's not who we are. Our DNA has always been forcing turnovers, giving the ball back to our offense who likes to hold the ball. You know, and that's kind of the identity crisis that we have right now is that because we're not running option, we're not holding the ball nearly as much as we have in years past. So, you know, when when you can force a turnover or two in a college football game and you can hold the ball for 35 plus minutes of a game, you know, you you have limited opportunities to score. And so we're not doing either of those things. We're not, we're not producing turnovers and we're not holding the ball. We're not winning time of possession. And so those two factors combined make it really hard to win a football game.
0: Let's move on to the special teams, um, which were actually much more special this week. Uh, we have uh Connor Cummins. Uh, we didn't miss a kick. Uh, Cummins hit uh, from 46 and one, I think that was shorter. Um, as much shit as we gave the kicking game or give the kicking game each week, I think we need to do it both ways. So if they do well, let's give them some credit and come and hit those balls confidently. And nobody was more jacked up afterwards than he was. Um, you know, we have to acknowledge that kicking is probably one of the mentally toughest positions on the field because you your all eyes are on you. You only get one chance Well, unless some jackass coach calls a timeout and you get another chance. But um, he obviously has the leg. Um, You know, it could be a mental block that cleared up. Um, You know, hopefully from here on out, Cummins is fine. And if he is, you know, maybe we have something going into next year to where we don't need to absolutely panic.
2: Absolutely. Uh, It was a big game for him. And Bo basically admitted after the game that, you know, he started Ulrich last week um, to kind of just fire Cummins up because Bo knows, I mean, Bo's at practice every week and, you know, you can see that Cummins is the better kicker. Nothing against Ulrich. He's, you know, really been brought in as a punter is what I'm hearing. You know, apparently he's great in practice as a punter. Um, So, you know, hopefully he's, you know, kills it in that role, but Cummins is kicker. One Um, looked great. Uh, Hopefully this is, you know, a turning point for him. I think he's still around 50% on the year, but just to get him that confidence builder from 29 earlier was such a big deal. Cause then you feel comfortable sending him out to kick from 46. Uh, he hits it, clears it. No problem. Um, yeah. Nothing but praise for Connor. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, you have anything to yeah. add to Nick?
1: Yeah, I think that's something I kind of alluded to last week is that, you know, back in the day, there was so much competition everywhere. There were no solidified starters really anywhere when we first started the program. And so people were were kind of battling for starting roles all over the place. And so once you kind of have a solidified kicker, if they're having a little bit of a slump, I think it's a, a great idea to give someone else a shot, right? Create some natural competition. And, and eventually, you're one of them is going to rise to the top. So kudos to Bo for giving old Rick an opportunity. But um, for Connor to for overcoming, you know, a, a bad start to the season and having a really good game.
0: Yeah. And uh, moving on to returns, um, Gabriel Benyard had an 84-yard return. Um, you know, he's banged up this year, but I think next year when he's healthier and we hopefully have more depth, I think he needs to be on every kickoff return, to be honest with you, to add that threat. As far as punt returns go, I you know, I kind of use him how we use him for kickoffs this year and punts this year, just crunch time only. But I don't want him taking, you know, unnecessary hits on punt returns, trying to make something when it's not there, um, take big shots unnecessarily because of his value. I'm just what do you guys think about, you know, putting him in that role more next year?
2: I think he should be on the field as much as possible. I mean, he's our best playmaker. Um, It was frustrating seeing them take him out on offense on, you know, big time third downs over and over and over throughout the game. Um, John Bednarowski was sitting right next to me and he wouldn't, you know, stop complaining about them pulling out Benyard. Um, but yeah, as far as kick and punt return go, I like Benyard back at the uh, kick return. I would love to see Tykeem Wallace maybe get back there. I don't know if he has the hands for it, but I know he's got insane track speed, you know, so it couldn't hurt to throw him out there. Um, as far as punt return, uh, who knows, hopefully it's what I'm guessing will happen next year when Foster's gone is we'll have like a hands guy and a speed guy. Um, you maybe try out the speed guy a couple of times, you know, if he drops a punt or two here, then you pull him out and you have the hands guy who, you know, is going to catch the punt fair, catch it every single time, maybe get, you know, five to 10 yards or a turn. Um, you know, it'll be an underrated storyline to watch develop with the departure of foster next season. So.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and he just to know, before I get to coach Nick here, um, you know, we need somebody that has some kind of acumen to return, especially punts. You can't just, you know, put somebody back there just because they're fast. They they got to be that headsy, smart player, um, that kind of player that coaches trust, like a Gabriel Benyard, like an Isaac Foster. Um, so we'll have to see who does that. I know you got something on this, coach.
1: Yeah, much like kicking is a very specific skill, punt return is a very specific skill. I mean, you're literally looking up, you can't see what's quite coming at you, trying to decide whether or not to field a punt, whether to fair catch it, et cetera. And so if you have a dangerous returner back there, that's something that teams have to prepare for in practice throughout the week. And so every little, you know, every little thing where we can add Moments that okay, you have to account for where Gabriel Binyard is and kick return and punt return, etc. That's extra time that you're spending in practice, game planning to not kick it to him or to put in to work extra reps and covering covering kicks to tackle him and not working on other things like how to defend our offense or you know how how they're gonna line up on whatever. It's there's so much that goes into a full week of practice and there's so little time to get the reps that you need to. So all of a sudden, one of our best you know athletes is returning kicks back there that's a dangerous thing to have and again it just takes away from you know some of your focus of how to stop our offense now you're thinking more about how to stop them in the kick game how to stop them elsewhere so i think it's it would be awesome to have him back there yes it's slightly dangerous so you know you can get injured on on that i know isaac foster i believe broke his leg returning a kick a while ago maybe his sophomore or junior year um which is why so, so actually, about
0: five or six years ago
1: yeah, yeah, exactly, which is why he's in his seventh year now is because he got a medical redshirt that year from from breaking his leg. I think it was from returning a kick. I could be wrong on that. I'll uh, we'll have to fact check that later. But, again, having a, an explosive guy back there, that's one more thing you got to prepare for, and it's one more thing that if we're not getting turnovers on defense but we get a huge return, that's just as good as a, as a turnover with, as far as field position is concerned.
0: Also you're forcing the other team to have to uh, execute as well on the, on the punt. You can't just punt it down there to a general, you have to make sure you execute that punt and, you know, could shank it could overthink it. Um, it's just adding another element to, for the other team to mess up.
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and like I said, you know, it's going to be a fun thing to watch next year. Just what we do on kick and punt return. Um Foster had a pretty good game by all accounts, other than the uh, there were two punts um, where he there was one in the first half where he called a fair catch when he had about 10 yards of clearance. And, you know, like Nick was saying, that's such a hard skill and it's a hard thing to judge and gauge. So, you know, you don't want to give him too much for that. And we still ended up with the ball at, like the 30. And then the second one, Tennessee State just hit a bomb of a punt. Um, it goes through his hands. And it, I think we were lucky that he just got on top of it. But other than those two, I mean, I think he had a couple or 10, 10 to 15-yard returns um, that set us up, you know, set up an offense that had really been struggling to move the ball at all. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm just glad that Foster, you know, he messed up, but he had the presence of mind to push that ball out of bounds. Um, if he didn't do that, that probably would have been a safety. Um, so, you know, we got out of the danger zone, but we still couldn't get much after that. But still, you know, that was still a very – very big play. Like if you're going to, if you're going to make a mistake, you know, fall on the football, don't try and get up and compound that mistake um, with something worse.
1: Yeah. That was an awesome heads up play by Isaac to just bat it out of bounds after muffing it, knowing that if it rolls through the end zone, it's it's a safety.
0: Yeah. And um, also a point of emphasis, you know, I love Nolan and Barclay and their commentary, but you know, I don't know if it was because we didn't have a view of it, but I feel they kind of blew this one um, on that, on that punt from Hewitt um, that was down inside the five. Um, I feel like the gunner made a great play. I swear I saw him, um, you know, push the ball out of bounds on the punt, but they kind of acted like, oh, like that was Hewitt that just, you know, the ball just magically bounced out of bounds. Um, Somebody, I don't know who it was, made a great play on that ball, unless I'm crazy. And I just want to commend whoever that was for that effort and pinning them in the three. Um, What did you see on that since you were watching from home, Nick? Coach Nick?
1: Yeah, I definitely saw it get tipped out of bounds. Um, You know, kudos to – Um, For the for the punt, but definitely some again, I don't know who it was either, but they definitely made a great play knocking it out 100%. Yeah,
0: that was on that was on both ends. Great punt and great play. And that's kind of what you need on punt coverage. Um, But yeah, that's all I got for uh, the special team section. Um, I want to go over a few other things. Um, You know, I kept I did my best. I'm not 100% sure on this list, but, you know, trying to keep track of who's out of eligibility now because red shirts get four games a year that they can play without blowing their red shirt. Um, so I've got people out of eligibility, Gabriel Benyard, uh, JT Pennington on the offensive line, Baron Hobson, uh, Javon Williams, Carlos Allen, Garland Benyard, Puda Walker, Chance Gamble, Tyler Scott. And I could be wrong. Maybe some of these guys already red shirt and I didn't realize it. I don't know, but that's a lot of names. Uh, some names I believe have eligibility remaining with at least one game And I'm assuming that game is going to be versus Sam Houston. Um, Tyler Hallam, cornerback. I think I saw him banged up on the sidelines yesterday, limping around with a left leg injury, it looked like. Uh, Juan Silas, who has three games played. So I'm guessing we're going to get him versus uh, Sam Houston. Uh, Same with Joel Parker and Jericho Washington. Isaac Paul has three. Nick Sawyer has three. And I think Joe Williams has three. Um, Sidney Porter, our transfer. He just played his fourth game, I think, yesterday. So I'm not sure you know, if he's already redshirted or what that situation is. So he might be out as well. Uh, What do you guys, what's y'all's take on, you know, just, you know, limiting the availability for these last few games and, you know, seeing some new names out there?
2: I think you're going to have a blast keeping track of these lineups um, at the Lincoln and Virginia Lynchburg games when we throw guys out there that you've never heard of. (laughs) Even with the, you know, the research and time you put into it, John, I feel like you may even be surprised by a name or two who goes out there.
0: Uh, I don't know if you can surprise me I look at the roster a couple of times a week, but I'm definitely going to have to look over, Oh, what number is that? Or who is that? I'm like, Oh, I know the. I'm going to know all the names, hopefully, unless the coaches have some secret like tryout walk on that uh, they've been holding back. But, um, like I said, I do think that we're going to hold out, you know, some of the best of the rest that have three games left for Sam Houston and then just unleash hell with a lot of our younger players, um, against, uh, The other two games. Uh, What do you got on that, Coach Nick?
1: I just hearing you list all those names. I all that keeps coming to my mind is that continuity that we talked about. Talked about from a defensive perspective specifically last week, but just Mm. I I think about the continuity of having so many different guys playing every different every week. It's a different lineup out there. It's got to be tough from a coaching perspective of you know, knowing you don't have this guy this week, you don't have this guy this week from a player perspective, knowing that you're communicating with different people every week. And I made the example last week of Markeith Montgomery looking over and seeing chance gamble. Okay. I trust that guy. I know he's going to, you know, do what he's supposed to in this coverage. And the next week you look over at somebody different that is from a player perspective, that is a total, um, you know, that, that that's something that takes a lot of mental fortitude for a young kid to have to overcome. Um, And so I'm I'm gonna be really excited when this year ends and we can kind of get back to the the norm of yeah these are our guys that are redshirting unless you know injury we need to burn it or whatever. Um, kudos to you, John, for keeping up with all of this. Um, I certainly have not done a great job of keeping up with it. But the the, the big thing that keeps coming to my mind as you're talking about this is just continuity, continuity, continuity. And I just I can't wait to see you know what we look like with a full roster next year.
0: Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Continuity's it's part of what's killing us. But also, you know, if we can take a positive just in the short term going forward, um, we know the coaches now know everybody who's done. So that means we don't have to give them reps anymore. Um, You know, we we can kind of trim down the the pool, so to speak, and give all the reps to the players that are going to play and when. So we have two weeks off now because of our quirky FCS independent schedule. We lost a bunch of games. So, you know, we're not playing, we're not playing until late October now. And even that game against Lincoln, that's going to basically be like an exhibition ish. And if it's not Godspeed coach Bo, but um, that's going to be, you know, three weeks of basically practice there for, you know, the younger players and the players with the remaining eligibility. I I think that's definitely going to help.
2: So weird to have Sam Houston in the middle of those games, you know, like probably the most talented team on our schedule. Just makes things tricky. Did they win yesterday? No, they played on Thursday. They lost oh, okay. to they lost to Liberty in a game that was actually really close. I think it was like twenty one to sixteen.
0: But they still uh, haven't won yet.
2: 0 and five. So yeah, our opponents, assuming Lynchburg lost, which I'll be honest, I didn't check, um, are currently 0 and eighteen. Our you know last three opponents this year. So um, chance to get some wins.
0: Oh yeah, I'm I'm, I'm very confident that you know. We're going to finish the season two and one. I just have that. I just have that feeling at least two and one, Um, you know, don't quote me on this, but I'm going out on a limb here, guys. Okay. I think
2: we got a better chance against Sam Houston than people say we do just because they've really, really struggled this year. And if we, you know, if they don't make us their super bowl, it's,
0: it's, it sounds like looking at you're right. We did play, they did play Liberty because I follow a lot of Liberty people. And they mentioned that Sam Houston's defense is actually really legit. They held
2: BYU to fourteen. They scored zero points in that game, but they held a solid BYU offense to fourteen points.
0: So, that's what scares me. Um, also, this might be our Super Bowl. Uh, we we should hype this as the our superb owl. This is our chance, guys, to use that term.
2: Can't say the name.
0: Can't say can't say the name. But the
2: NFL is coming for us.
0: Yeah, we're we're screwed now. We just we said it uh there's no going back. Um uh, the last last point I wanted to touch on uh Randy Kopork uh the, the if you watched on TV, the Fifth Third Bank dude, they they announced the deal that it's now just Fifth was it Fifth Third Stadium and not Fifth Third Bank Stadium. Woohoo, whoop de doo, big deal. Um but anyways, the Randy Kopork guy that they interviewed, Nolan interviewed, I believe his son Connor uh played for KSU a few years back. Um, I think he was like a rarely used tight end, not sure he even got in any games, but you know, the whole time I'm watching that, I'm thinking like, there's gotta be some kind of conflict of interest here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I don't, I don't know, you know, any more about what this relationship is to KSU, but they seem thrilled with the partnership. And I think they mentioned, um, it's through 2030 with the option for possibly more years. Is that what you heard too, Nick coach, Nick?
1: Yeah, I heard the same thing as well as the um, the capital campaign or whatever they want to call it, the public uh, campaign investment deal. That's they have already raised one hundred twenty million of. They just need to is another eighty for a two hundred million dollar facilities upgrade. That was kind of all all announced at once. That was super encouraging to hear.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm very excited about this. I was hoping that we could kind of hold off and pull our money together and go for Owl Chat Podcast Stadium, but um, I guess you know dreams can't always come true. So. I'll take that. But if you're listening and you do have $80 million just lying around for a rainy day, please consider donating $80 million to KSU so we can get stuff built. They need your money. (laughs) They need your money and they are not shy about it. They will take it and they will call you a hundred times and grab it out of your pocket if you don't give it. It's okay.
2: We're still going to get the uh, Nick Masseroni Center for Music in 25 years.
0: In 25 years, the Nick Massaroni Center for Music. Um, you know, I don't know where I'll be. Um, Godspeed, but uh, you know, I know Nick will be pushing that money forward. Um, so if you do have it, but seriously, if you do have any money available or credit cards with credit available, you can always donate on one credit card and then pay it off with another credit card and so forth <laughs> and max out. And um, if you've ever heard of what a pyramid scheme is. Uh, multi-level marketing, all that look it up, start one of those up um I don't care if it's ethical just do it give us the money uh, and so we can build stuff. That's it. I
2: didn't know we had Milton Overton as a guest this episode, but you know
0: <laughs> oh my God yeah, that's true <laughs> I, I love me some uh, I call him Uncle Milty, uh you know, but uh He, he, you know, I had somebody text me that hasn't texted me since January the other day. And he's like, do you think we're going to conference USA too early? Or am I the only one? And I said, no, there's other people that might say that, but, um, you know, it's really something that I felt we had, I told him like, Hey, we had to do this. It's now or never, you know, I think we're going to, I honestly do think we're going to struggle at first, especially in, you know, football, uh, we might have a rough year next year but it has to be done. And, you know, we're not paying that damn $5 million. So it's like, you know, if you go to a store and you want to buy a TV and you don't necessarily need the TV, but it's $50. But if you wait till next year, it's going to be $5,000. Well, you know what? I'll take a $50 TV.
2: Too bad. We can't flip the program.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, But yeah, that's all I have. Um, I know, did you guys have any notes that you wanted to add? Nick from the band, Coach Nick, uh, Kai, anything you wanted to touch on before we uh, head out?
2: Yeah, I wanted to give, you know, the uh, members of the 2020 or 2022 ASUN or 2023, excuse me, ASUN basketball championship team that all showed up. They were all out there in the field. Got to talk to Amir briefly. It was good to see him back around, you know, just kind of. Know that there's still a place for Kennesaw State in their hearts. Chris Youngblood, Brandon Stroud, Casey Jennings, they were all there. Um
0: Alex so, Peterson yeah, see was them. there.
2: Alex Peterson, I believe Spencer Rogers was there too. The only member of that team I didn't see was Eve's Kamba,
0: and he's out in Indiana now. So that makes you know. sense. And yeah. also I wanted to touch on uh the patches on the jersey were back, the A Sun patches. So, you know. Like, could we not get those like ripped off or covered up with you know I, I mentioned you know earlier we get the jimmy buffett like rest in peace um and cheeseburger in paradise uh logo put on top of that i mean what are what are we doing here like we can't so can we not like use those jerseys next year are we just going to scrap them
2: <laughs> it's it's a bad look i'm with you it's a little embarrassing i'll interject it? there and say you know it Maybe that goes back to that partnership conversation we had on the midweek
0: episode. So you never know, you mm-hmm. never know. Yeah. Maybe we'll get some new Nike jerseys next year. Just, I have no idea, <laughs> but it would we'll be cool. Yeah. Somebody emailed me and was like, uh, I think Alex emailed me. It was mentioned, you know, Oregon gets a new Jersey every week with Nike and I'm thinking, well, you know, we're not Oregon. Um, but if they wanted to give us a new Jersey every week, I, you know, I'd wear pink and purple if they gave us New Jersey every week. I wouldn't care. I just want you know, that'd be cool. Oregon gets that because the
2: founder of Nike went to Oregon. Mm-hmm. And that ah. all the base operations are out there.
0: So that's that's the only Nike school that does that. Yep. I see.
2: They also might have a
0: slightly bigger budget than we do. Slightly. Yeah, so yeah. so do we have to wait for like a Nike executive to come from Kennesaw State? Like, or is this the waiting game?
2: Ryan's secret. Like, Ryan Secrets, yeah, I was gonna say. He can, uh, Ryan Secrets can supply
1: us with like Abercrombie and Fitch or something, right? There you go. <laughs> hair, hair gel products, yeah, all that good stuff. I did have one note, uh, uh, John. I, I did want to shout out to. They probably not listening, but if you are, I just want to say thank you to everyone in the athletic department who worked so hard to get the attendance numbers up. I mean, that's awesome that for homecoming we had over 10,000 people there, whether there were actually 10,000 people there or not, I have no idea. But the fact that we it was reported, and that's twice this year that we've kind of broken an attendance record, is a huge step in the right direction. I know that from a player's perspective, it's always frustrating to come into the, an empty stadium, um, especially in the student section. So kudos to everyone that's working really, really hard in the athletic department. I know it's not going unnoticed.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Thank you to them for the hard work. And yeah, there's no way that place was like sold out. I mean, maybe we sold the tickets or gave them away to corporations or whatnot. But from the pictures that I saw, I wasn't there. Um, It definitely wasn't like packed out. Um, And just quickly, you know, Ryan Seacrest, that's what's an inside joke. Uh, He didn't actually go to Kennesaw State. He just kind of just kind of have fun with that one. Well, Uh, he did go. He just didn't graduate. No, I don't think he went at all. I think that was just a... uh,
2: is like that it. completely false? I thought he went for like a year or two and then graduated from UGA. Yeah, I think I he went for a year and transferred.
0: Did he go for a year? I, I thought it was totally fake, but I know he didn't uh, definitely know he didn't graduate from here. So we're not getting anything from him.
1: in, <laughs> in next, next week to the chat podcast with uh, guest speaker Ryan Seacrest.
2: I'll, sh- I'll shoot him an email. He His can Twitter hope. DMs are open, right?
0: <laughs> He'd probably oh, be a great host.
2: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. As you know, Ryan
0: Seacrest went to my high school like 10 years before I got there. Um, so, you know, it kind of felt like it's all downhill. Like I'm not topping that. He
2: went to my college 10 years before I got there. So, oh
0: yeah, that's true. That (laughs) is true. Um, and yeah, uh, that's, so that's all we have. Um, again, thank you to everybody that, you know, that made it possible for me and Nick coach Nick to watch the game on TV comfortably from our own homes. So thank you, Barclay, Nolan, everybody from everybody on the field to concessions, everyone that does the. You know, the stats, everyone that just takes care of the people in the stadium, because without them there, there's no atmosphere. So, again, thanks to everybody.
2: Absolutely. Um, do you want to make a note? Should be obvious, but this will be our last post game episode till late October. That all being said, if y'all got nothing else, then go ahead and take us out.
0: Are we, wait, we're not going to do a like a bye week post game next week just to celebrate not losing? Or we can, <laughs> we can get on and talk for five minutes. Yeah, we can get on, talk to five minutes, throw your post-game, title it like post game verse by. We could talk about what we did this weekend and be like, oh, okay, cool. Bye guys.
2: Yep. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Thank you everybody for listening. Um and go owls. Go owls.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter at KSU Owl Howl and at Big Owl Blog.
2: You can also view additional content on BigOwlBlog.com, and be sure to join the online community of owl fans at
1: KSUOwlHowl.com forum. Until our hosts return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go owl!